Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of DC Unlimited, the podcast that discusses all things DC comics and films. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony Caruso of Tis the Podcasts, and joining me, as always, are Chris Evans of Gathering of the Geeks and Phil Walsh of Phil at the Movies. And I have one question for you guys. You want to get nuts? <laughs> Let's get nuts. I wish we didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Winged battle flies through the night and finds me ready. Our our attentive listeners will know exactly what that line is from. <laughs> Not just me spouting off crazy. Bill is drunk tonight. I promise there's nothing in this tape. How are you guys doing? I'm good. How are you, Anthony? I'm excited to talk the Flash trailer and a bunch of Batman with your doll. This is a Batman themed uh, episode. Uh, our, our our Batman bias is definitely showing <laughs> with this one, but that's okay. It was inevitable, though. It was. I think we did tease it out at the first uh, the first uh, episode. So what 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 do we think? Do you want to just uh, dive right into it, so to speak? Uh, talk about the uh, the latest trailer. Yes, let's do that first. Why do you start, Chris? I would love to start. <laughs> um, I want to start because, so I think the journey this film has been on, it's been a movie in itself. It has been an incredible journey to get to this point. And so the first trailer really sold me. Like I didn't need anything else. I got everything I needed in that trailer. It, it was beautiful, if you will. <laughs> so then... I was going to avoid this one because I figured I don't want to see any more. I just want the movie. I'm done. Just give me the movie. And then as it is on Twitter, it is unavoidable. I kept seeing clips. I was like, that looks pretty cool. I saw the thing with Batfleck flying through an explosion. I was like, that's pretty cool. I got it. What is this? <laughs> so I caved and I watched it. And what a tremendous trailer. It's is gotta be one of the best comic book movie trailers we've ever had. It is really, really cool. And one of the things I love about it is it spoils nothing. All it does is expand on what we've already seen from the first trailer. It just remixed, or here's a different angle. Here's a little bit more. It's still not the meat of this movie. So I don't feel like watching it ruined anything for me at all. No, I'm really, really happy with this trailer. I pretty much echo everything you, you you said, Chris. I I would even go a step further. I think this was a an even better trailer than the last one we got, and I think I almost would have had this one be the trailer they showed uh, at the Super Bowl. I mean, I know the last one kind of you know leaned into the key in nostalgia. I mean, you had the "I'm Batman" line, and that was great. But I mean, you said it you said it perfectly. This this just felt like a perfect summer comic book movie trailer and again with all of the stuff that's been going on behind the scenes the drama the the build-up to this the fact that we're still pretty much in the dark with this movie and the trailers are just sort of giving us the highlights and sort of some emotional beats mm -hmm. i mean my anticipation for this movie it was already uh you know at dizzying heights i i feel like i'm I feel like I'm the bat wing right now, right in front of the moon, you know? You know, copy and paste what you both said. <laughs> um, 
I loved it. It should have been the original trailer. I think what I liked about it the most was we know this is kind of like the Flash is really the end of the Snyderverse, right? Mm-hmm. But it's all I think with all the trouble DC has had over the past decade or so, people are forgetting the long history of DC we've gotten over the years that's been good. And this movie feels like a grand finale, not only for the Snyderverse, but for the Burtonverse and everything that's come before it as well. And it feels like the perfect, um, not only just ending, but love letter before the whole DC universe is kind of rebooted with whatever Gunn is doing. Like, it just feels like a big send-off for not only Snyder's characters, but again, Keaton and... Who knows what other surprises this movie has in store and the speed force or playing with time travel and multiverses. And I love as a lifelong DC fan, I love that. And not only is a uh, story beats are getting emotional with everything the flash is going through, but just thinking about it in those terms as, as a DC fan mm-hmm. and a Keaton fan, it's making me very emotional as well. So I loved it. It's a celebration. I mean, we haven't even seen the movie, but it already feels like it is a celebration of all things that that DC excels at, what DC is all about. I mean, you know, I know we throw around the the term comic book movie, but this this just has all of that. I mean, it checks literally every box and, you know, we've only seen about, you know, 4 minutes, you know, combined between two trailers and it's like what else is in store, you know? I think that's the like that's the best thing about it, really. We've seen something, but we don't know. We we right. just don't know what other cool stuff is, what other great stuff is in this. We haven't even seen the villain. Mm. You know, this is not a spoiler, but I, I think it's kind. Of, we all know there's another villain in this movie, and it's not just Zod. <laughs> something right. else is going on here. Right. We haven't seen it yet, and they're holding that is maybe for another trailer which i hope not i hope they just let us see it in the movie i will say if people are avoiding spoilers avoid the japanese trailer they released because that kind of uh i think they forgot to edit out the villain in a frame of that and kind of gave things away there a little bit so yeah the the japanese one does i I, so what happened that was kind of funny i saw it was tweeted like more footage like oh i wonder what kind of footage i'm already on this flash high let's check it out in the first like four seconds it shows some i didn't see before like nope i just closed it although the thing i did the first the opening that's really cool just saying (laughs) i i will say there is a and this isn't giving anything away i'm not going to say what it did or what it didn't do but the trailer we got here in america and i assume in all english speaking countries and the japanese trailer they have the same shot but it seems like the japanese trailer forgot to edit something out of said shot and it kind of i feel gives away the game a bit so i'll leave it at that you mentioned that so that batfleck thing if you really look at it it's kind of awkward looking i believe there's something else there that was also edited out not to be not to be a conspiracy theorist, but <laughs> it it kind of looks like he's grabbing on to nothing. So I I think something else is there, and we we just don't see it yet. I am wondering if that, you know, yes, I will agree with you. I, I yeah. 
something maybe say maybe not maybe maybe he is just flying who knows <laughs> I, oh i i am wondering if batman's in the opening of this film batfleck like is the opening like a whole like little mini justice league movie maybe like in 10 minutes like a cold open and it's not like just batman of the flash i like where your head's at <laughs> we'll see we'll see to be determined <laughs> I must ask, though, what is the part of the trailer that got you it was the biggest fist pump moment for you in this trailer? What was it? I'll go for I'll go first. All you guys are thinking. So yeah, it's obviously a bat- the spot there. Right, it's yeah, obviously right. a Batman <laughs> moment, but I it's a flash trailer. So I'll pick a flash moment as well. Uh Number one, it's when the Batwing flies toward the screen and both Flashes and Supergirl are kind of dropped out mm-hmm. of it and skid to a halt in front of the trailer, in front of the camera. Mm-hmm. That oh, was yeah, awesome. That's, that's a cool shot. Yeah. That looked great. And then um, Batman, well, Zod attacking the Batwing and Batman ejecting and Batwing spiraling down as he, you know, the cape falls open and he glides down it was so cool and who would have ever thought we'd get michael keaton's batman fighting michael shannon's zod <laughs> what a world <laughs> do you have your moment chris i have a do i need to narrow down the moments or can we do multiple uh, we can let let's talk about the trailer overall yeah okay so what i keep going and i know it's a flash movie i know but i love batman <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, all of mine are bad. <laughs> right. I was gonna say, that, that shot where they're running is cool, but the two speeches we get from the two different Batman, mm. like Keaton's about, I wanted to save my family all this time, you know, that's what I spent my life doing. Yeah. Great stuff. And then Affleck's line, we're kind of like that jaded Batman, and he's got the more gravelly voice at this point. It's like, that is amazing. I am all in. Very reminiscent of Pat. What Pattinson says in the Batman about scars—they're yeah, they inform yeah, us. Yeah, right. great, great writing with both of those speeches. And I don't think we even have the full extent of those scenes. Of course, mm-hmm. so, just the trailer bits are wonderful. And then again, it's—I like Batman when uh, Keaton turns around with the cape spread. Yes, he's just eating bullets. Yes, like what is this? This is amazing. <laughs> Ditto to, to all of that. I mean, I, I think I would we we would be silly if we didn't mention the uh, "Let's Get Nuts" line. I know some people have been like, "Oh, come on, that's you know too much of an in joke." I I think we need to see what happens in the context of that scene because I, I don't. I know right now it seems like okay, we've had the "I'm Batman" line, and then it's going to be the "Let's Get Nuts" line. But I I I say let's wait and see what uh what happens but i mean i i mean for me it was like uh like michael keaton can do no wrong like i mean just you know at, th- at this point you know g- give me a solo michael keaton elseworld batman film i mean literally this was if the last trailer you know had me you know jumping for joy this one had me like running down the street screaming batman's back batman's back but, oh I- my god I know we've mentioned before we'd be shocked if Batman and Beyond with Keaton didn't happen at this point. Seeing him move in this trailer, don't jump to Batman Beyond. Give us a Batman 3 with him as Batman and then do Batman Beyond. Seriously. I mean, he still got it. He really, I mean, yeah, it's, I, I believe in what he says. It was like putting on a glove. Like, he, he just, he knows the character inside and out. And it was a, I mean, just from the trailers, it's a seamless transition uh, or return, if you will. And uh, from the 
early reactions that are out there, everyone seems to be echoing the same thing. Mm -hmm. Like, w you know, we need more Michael Keaton Batman in our lives. I kind of feel like it'd be okay if it was a one and done. Oh, you know, Chris, now time, you're hurting. Now you're hurting me. Oh, I didn't even wait till we get to the retrospective that's coming. Um, <laughs> but I, I think a one and done is. I think that's that's better for right now, in my opinion. But maybe when I see the movie, my mind will change. I also think that um, the uh, the let's get nuts line. It's not my favorite, but what I'm wondering is, is it just like an old like a, like a thing he just says in his life, like. It's not meant to be like symbolic of what he said to the Joker. This is just something Bruce Wayne says. You want to get right. nuts? Right. <laughs> kind of like, kind of like, um, I think it's George Clooney who says it in From Dust Till Dawn. Ramblers, let's get rambling. Right. That, that's like, that's something I say because I heard it in that. I say it often when I'm leaving somewhere. Right. Um, I'm wondering if it's just a thing like he says. And that's the, that's the only context we need. Cool. You know? You know, for me, when I saw it, I'm with you, Chris. It was very on the nose. It was clearly fan service. Yeah. But I also took the mindset, I don't care. Because when he <laughs> said it, I clapped. I was like, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that's like if, if Bale was in a trailer and he asked if something came in black, I'd lose it. No, I'd lose my mind. <laughs> so I, I get it. No, it's, it's iconic. I mean... Again, I know this is a Flash movie, and and certainly he's a major component of it. Uh, but I, I think anyone that has has you know questioned or wondered, oh, does Michael Keaton still have you know an impact as Batman? I, I think these two trailers have have put those questions uh, to rest. And again, we haven't even seen the final film yet, so it's. It's a. It's definitely a good time to be a Batman fan. Uh, I I have to say, it it also in a in a kind of a negative way. It makes me more upset about Batgirl being canceled. I know. Yes, I me know. too. I know because that would have given us that mentor version of him. Yeah, without we're it getting being a Batman glimpse beyond. Of, yeah, we're getting yeah. a glimpse of it here, and I'm like, hey, I kind of like this. I know. But, I know. I know. I will say. Here's hoping it sees the light of day one sometime. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully. Yeah. I will say um, another favorite moment is obviously the scene that really seemed to a lot of people liked uh, the Batwing mm -hmm. at the end, going against the moon as Batman dived out of it. I know that was cool. That was perfect. Um, yeah, go on. No, I, I would. I was just gonna say Andy Muschietti. He really seems to be showcasing his his love and, and and frankly forte with the batman mythology and it, i mean if there isn't a plan for him to do some kind of uh future dc project like the brave and the bold give the man the keys because he he really seems to be shining again i know it's a flash movie but i mean the batman stuff it just boom, 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 and it seems that he understands and and respects the uh, the history of the character. It seems like and, to handle on the other characters too, though, like that Supergirl scene, which oh, is asking uh, about the the symbol. I I really like that one a lot too. That was really beautiful. That was I beautiful. loved it. Although part of me wonders if maybe it doesn't mean hope in this reality. Maybe if I really just mean super. 
Um, but that's why you went where I was going, Chris. Uh, I wanted to mention Sasha Kai yeah. as Supergirl <laughs> was fantastic. I can't wait to see more of her. And, you know, it, and again, let's not get away from the fact it's a Flash movie. Ezra looks great. He's pulling double time in this film. And the new Flash suit, he, he looks like the Flash. He is the oh, Flash. Right from the comics. Right from yep. the comics. This whole thing feels straight from a comic book, which is something I've been wanting from DC for a long time, which I think we've had before in pieces. Like I think Snyder's Justice League is very comic-y. Um, yeah. You know, Shazam, of course. We, we've had glimpses of this, but this, this is a little, um, I don't know, it, it feels more like a comic event, I guess, is the way to put it. That's yeah. what we've seen Marvel do, that's all. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point, actually. This this feels, to to, to use an over overused word epic there's an epic quality to it that i mean there's been glimpses of it with dc you're right chris but but never so so like in your face in a good way Mm -hmm. um i mean this and i i I mean i had you know flashbacks to like Mm -hmm. the animated justice league like just sort of that grand scale of of like okay who are the heroes and like you know it, it really doesn't matter it's like Okay, Batman and Supergirl and 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 the Flash, and you know they're just going to team up and and see whatever happens. Mm-hmm. And it does That's make me w- stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and it makes me wonder. And we've talked about this before, but now that we've seen more of the film, and now that the first reactions are out there, and everyone says it's going to be a juggernaut. So if it turns out to be the juggernaut, everyone seems to think it's going to be. Are we destined to see more of Sasha Kaye and Ezra Miller in their roles? Because I think Andy Muschietti was asked at CinemaCon about the future, and he said, talk to me after the film opens. Right. And uh, I don't think they had the new ending in this film. In the view, in the, uh, That's right. There was no end. Uh, there was no, there was no end. ending. They did yeah. say that this was the unfinished version, which I, I, I actually thought they were showing the finished one right up until the day before. So yeah, I'd be I, shocked to, to hear that. I do have to wonder if they like what they saw and they're kind of reworking the ending to fit into the new universe. Maybe that includes they cast a new Batman in secret and they throw him in at the end, meeting Barry. Who knows? It's possible. Which would be... yeah. But I... If it's a juggernaut, I can't imagine them throwing out the baby with the bathwater in a reboot. I, I I think you're right, Anthony. Uh, I mean, again, a lot's going to come down to what how the reaction is for this film, which you know, based on the the early response, it's phenomenal. Um, but I have to think specifically on uh, on on the Supergirl angle, which I mean we only got a glimpse of her really in the last trailer and you know, we got a little bit more this time, but I, I mean, just talk about someone who was, who was born to play this role. And, and I have to think if given the response, we, we, this can't be the last time we see her. I, that, that That's just my, my impression given just the response to the character from trailers alone. And again, we haven't seen the final film, but it seems to me like you find a way to maybe make her the the new Supergirl going forward. Me too to all of that. And also, if 
so going into this, we knew Ezra had some some problems. They mm -hmm. did some things that were not good, unforgivable in some circumstances. But if they have really done the work to improve their own mental health and whatnot, and now they're on the other side of that, I don't see a reason why we couldn't give them another shot. Especially when, and that's just talking about purely as a human being. From a human being standpoint, because <laughs> movies come and go, they don't matter at the end of the day. No, but there's no need to ruin their life if they have come out on the other end of this. You know, uh, I, I, agree. I I I agree with that. I think people are, uh, you know, not to go too deep into it, too quick to quote unquote cancel nowadays, um, and people are kind of forgetting that uh, the whole point of. <laughs> Uh, not that he went to jail, but the whole point of jail is rehabilitation. So even if he did go to jail, it's supposed right. to be about right. rehabilitating and coming out a better human being. And if he Which is putting that, that, yeah, and if they are putting in that work, like Chris is saying, like, why not give them another chance? Yeah, right. Yeah. And from like, I'm oh, sorry, go ahead, Phil. No, no, go ahead, Chris. I say just like looking at it, from the movie standpoint, if they are that good in this movie, if the movie is that big, the Flash is someone who can zip around universes, so right. it wouldn't be out of the room possibility that Ezra continues as the Flash, or yeah. Supergirl continues as Super. That's the one I think is probably guaranteed if it is the way it seems. Yeah, that would be my hunch. But no, I mean, I I echo everything you just said, Chris, and I would just add that, I mean, I I think comeback stories are mm -hmm. are something that tend to get overlooked today and and sort of downplayed and you know we, we you know you said it perfectly you know as a you know human to human you know as a you know story you know that that's something we should be you know championing and and, and wanting to see happen mm -hmm. absolutely we should all root for them to to be the person that they need to be that they exactly want. exactly I would hazard a guess that even if this Flash does not continue on in Gunn's reboot, that we may see him again in the future in a big crisis event. Oh, I agree. The one thing DC has going for it right now that Marvel does not is how many Batman actors do we have? How many Superman actors? How many Flash actors even? Like... uh you have so many different iterations of these characters and we're about to have new iterations of most of them. Yeah. You could bring them all together for a big crisis type event in the future. And I would love to see that like Keaton come back while we still have him while the man's 70 something years old, you know, I'd like to see, you know, I'd love to see um, Brandon Routh be the Reeves Superman yeah. again mm -hmm. in a big crisis event. Like, so I wouldn't be surprised if even if Ezra Miller's not the main Flash going forward, that we will see him again in the future. Echo everything you've just said. Any other thoughts, gentlemen, on the uh, on the Flash trailer? Any other? Good stuff. Bring on June sixteenth. Mm -hmm. Bring on June sixteenth, and don't release another trailer. Yes. I've seen enough. Amen to that. No, I. I broke my rule. I watched this one. I don't want to. I, I am not going through this again. <laughs> Even though I have a feeling there will be another one when tickets go on sale. Oh, I thought I thought 
Yeah. I thought tickets were supposed to go on sale with this. So I thought that was the initial uh, plan, but I guess not. (laughs) (laughs) I just, yeah, I guess I'll echo what Chris said earlier. The journey to get to this movie, I can't believe we are less than two months away at this point. It is, I, I am triple checking when I cross the street now. I do not want to die in an awful accident before I get to see this movie. <laughs> like Batman says, try not to die. Try not to <laughs> or something like that. That's <laughs> no, literally, I mean, just get, a, get us to this movie. Uh, I mean, I just as an aside, I just sort of reading through some of the behind the scenes uh production drama for this movie i mean it's it's amazing how many bends and and twists and turns this film has been on and directors coming and going and creative differences and script rewrites and i mean to think that it is within within reach now it's it's truly remarkable and i i you know said it before i said again great time to be uh, certainly a, a a dc fan but but even more so a comic book fan and this is a this is a golden age, if you will. And speaking of um, behind-the-scenes stuff, I did want to share this fun story about Keaton that Andy Muschietti shared um, at CinemaCon. He said, when Keaton arrived at the set, the back cave was already finished and it was lit and everything, and he stayed like this, and then Muschietti widened his eyes for a while. I didn't want to interrupt him. I just wanted him to take it in. Who knows what was going on there, but something was going on there. It was funny because at one point during the scene when we shot him in the full suit, he was like, can you take a picture? It's for my grandson. It was one of those moments where he really showed something was inside that was very emotional. And I just love that. Yeah, the grandson thing got me too. Because like, even though he has the two movies, this is different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is, hey, grandson, you're around now. I'm still Batman. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's pretty cool. But no, I, cool. I remember there was an interview he did around the time uh, Spider-Man Homecoming came out. And he was on one of the talk shows mentioning how he had a grandson and his grandson was excited that he was going to be in a Spider-Man movie, but he wasn't aware of the fact that his grandfather had been Batman. He said, oh, we'll get to that at some day. And it's just, it's amazing to think that now we, we truly have come full circle and, yeah, you know, not only you know, can appreciate the other two films, but now, I mean, like you said, he he is still Batman. <laughs> I can't imagine though the grandson stuff aside. What it was like stepping back oh. onto that set, the Batcave set after thirty years of not being on it? Wow, it, just 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 wow. <laughs> yeah, I I can't wait. I can't believe I can't believe we're getting another Keaton Batman film. To it's me, not a Batman film. I can't believe we're getting Keaton as Batman again. No, I know. It's <laughs> as you know, as one of my favorite actors to play to play the Dark Knight. This is this is a dream come true. This is a dream come true, and uh, I, I mean, I, just sa- savor the experience, gentlemen, because this uh, you know this ride will will be here and it will be over before we know it. And part of the enjoyment is the. Uh, the anticipation for it absolutely and uh i will just say to your full circle point phil that uh you know it, it's fitting keaton's coming back to the role that 
you know, his first comic book role. Because when you think about it, we would not have all these comic book movies today if not for that Tim Burton Batman movie and, of course, the Donner Superman films. But they were really the two films that really showed comic book movies could be taken seriously. And for Keaton to have kind of really uh, helped launch that genre as a serious genre and now returning to it as Batman, like it's just very special, I think. I mean, it's fitting. I mean, I I would even argue that, that Batman 89 had more of an impact on the genre at the time and and going forward than even Superman And, and, and Superman is a great movie. It is the original, but Batman 89 was, I mean, not only was it the first Batman movie, but that was an event. That was a a summer blockbuster, you know, in the same tradition as the early Star Wars films, and and even then some because it was it was different. It it was not, um, you know, uh, it it wasn't you know Terminator or it wasn't uh, you know another Rocky or a Rambo movie. It was it was something unique and and different and you know you said it best pushed the genre in a new uh new and exciting direction yep that's a great segue i i i thought so i thought that was kind of a nice way to to tee it up (laughs) to tee it up so so we've had a chance in anticipation and and excitement for keaton's return to revisit the the original Batman movies, Batman and and Batman Returns. And I mean, we can certainly get into both films uh, individually, but I, I think just on a, on the whole, gentlemen, what are, what are your what are your your big takeaways, your your thoughts, your your overall reactions to the two key in films now that you've had a chance to uh, to to revisit them again. I'll go first because I think uh I'll be a little more positive than Chris here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think Chris could be bookended between the two positive takes. Right. Like, That's oh. what I was thinking we would do. <laughs> um wait, wait till we get to Batman Returns. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> oh I um I, I still love them today. I love them more today than I did growing up with them. Um and I think a large part of that is because I've had years to process them and the nostalgia fits in or whatever, but they're such comfort movies to me. And there's, mm. you know, I get that Burton did his own spin on the Batman mythos. They're not, you know, necessarily comic accurate Batman or his rogues, but they're such well-crafted films and the look and feel and cinematography and music associated with this films just scream Batman to me. And when I think of Batman, honestly, he's not my favorite Batman, but I think of Keaton. Keaton in that suit in which he can't turn his neck <laughs> with the big yellow oval, the cape, and that cave and Batmobile, he is Batman to me. Part of the love I have for Batman to this day is because of Keaton in those films. Um, they hold up for me. Batman Returns holds up a little better than 89 for me. And Batman Returns, I like better than 89. But we can get into that when we really <laughs> dive 
dive in. But yeah, I like I like him, and I think uh, Keaton and Michael Goff actually as Alfred. Uh, they're they really set the standard for all the Batman and Alfreds to come. And uh, credit to Tim Burton for casting those two in the role. Mm. So. I would will echo pretty much everything that you've said. I, I would just add one more one more personal thing. Growing up, Keaton really was my Batman. I mean, you know, it was Kelmer and it was Clooney. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, but but Keaton was prior to to Bale, the one that just had the most impact the one just okay that's that's batman and you know looking back on it it's it's so laughable that people wrote letters and the wall street journal had an op-ed saying what has warner brothers done like i mean it's become part of the lore now with a batman movie that the casting gets ridiculed and people wonder what you're doing but like there is nobody i think that could have played batman as well as Keaton did in those two films. The, these were not, they're not Batman movies, you know, that we associate the character with today, but they are, they're of their time and, and they, they work, they, they, they hold up. And I think Keaton really is the ingredient Keaton and, and Burton. And I know, you know, Burton sometimes gets criticized for, you know, prioritizing style or prioritizing the villains. And again, I think all noted, but I would almost say, despite some of the, the, the issues and the critiques, I think Burton and Keaton really understood a lot of the psychology of, of Batman. And that is something that a lot of the other films in, in that anthology, if you will, were lacking. And, and, and there's just something about the darkness and again taking it serious but never taking it too serious not that it was slapstick or a throwback to the comic or to the adam west show but there was almost a an absurdity of the situation and and i think they found that right balance and again just sort of you know re-watching them it, it it just shows that yeah they 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 figured out what they were doing all the way back then. I mean, certainly the character has been perfected and revised and and other interpretations, but th there's something timeless about what they did. And, and nostalgia aside, th th there's something that really resonates with me. And and I, you know, I, I had a ball just revisiting them and, and you know, it just gets me even more psyched to, to see him come back uh, for the uh, for the flash. But I'll 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 hold my uh my my praise for now. Uh Chris, before you jump in here with what I'm sure are overwhelmingly positive thoughts, yeah. um <laughs> I do want to just add one thing, Phil. You to speak about Tim Burton's stylization that you mentioned, that he gets criticized for over stylization a lot. I'll say his Gotham City is probably the most comic accurate Gotham City we've still gotten to this day. I love Reeves's Gotham City, but that's more of a realistic stylized version. But if you look at like the comics, I think Burton still comes the closest 
than any direct we've gotten so far. I, I would agree with you uh, because I think there's the other versions of Gotham and I'm not going to count the, the, the Schumacher ones because I, I would just save that for another day. Um, but <laughs> the other versions always feel like it's a, a heightened take on either New York or Chicago or, you know, kind of a darker version of, of, of you know, wherever. And this Gotham city in, in the two films, I feel like you can't put it on the map. You, you like, you know, it's in the United States, it's some city, but, but it's, it's a, it's otherworldly. It's something like you said, comic booky. If I, if I can use that. Yep. Chris fire away. Um, well, I don't love these movies anymore. <laughs> they have not aged as well for me to, as it has for you guys. Uh oh, Chris, um, your audio is breaking up. Are you about to drop? I might be. <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, I, uh, so I rewatched them both, and yeah, they don't hold up as well for me at all. I, I still like a lot about them. Particularly, I love the villains. I, I know people do criticize Burton for focusing on the Joker and the Penguin, but I really enjoy both portrayals. Mm. And I think the Joker's got some fun lines like, what does Mookie even mean? There's a line <laughs> where I, I think the line is, I'm in the mindset of making Mookie or something. <laughs> what does it even mean? I don't know. But it's funny because he says it. And just a portrayal is a good time because it reminds you of Cesar Romero on steroids. <laughs> and Cesar Romero is one of my favorite portrayals of the Joker. As much as I really don't enjoy that show, I love him. Um, You're killing me with King, your opinions tonight here, Chris. I'm not even finished yet. We're going to get some good ones here. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know... Keaton is is a is an actor, and uh, his Batman. I love the physicality of his Batman. I think he it's very cool seeing his Batman move around and fight the way he does. There's a lot of kicks. It looks like the comic when he's fighting. It really does. But when it comes to like the aloof, eccentric Bruce, I don't know if I really buy it with him. But then I also like the bench between him and Alfred in both films. I think that's golden. Especially like it's in returns when he's um he's reaching to the fish tank to open the, the thing for to get to the back cave. And he's like, oh, you let Vicky Vale in the cave. I was just working. I turned around and he's like, hey Vicky, that <laughs> stuff is great. But it's just not like he's easily, I think, my least favorite Bruce Batman combo. I may have him before Clooney, but even then it's because I don't like Clooney's Batman. But I love his Bruce. Not big. Clooney's Bruce, yeah. Yeah, Clooney's Bruce is great. Um, I'll say it again. Clooney's relation to the whole Clooney-Alfred thing in Batman and Robin is some of the best stuff we got. It is. It's really, really good. Um, But to be on the more positive side of things, just go to the positives. I also love the look of both films. I agree with you guys. Gotham feels otherworldly. It, mm-hmm. Yeah, it could be somewhere in America or it could be in another country. I don't know. But it doesn't feel like it, which is cool. I actually prefer Reeves Gotham, but the Burton one is second only to Reeves. Mm-hmm. I think Burton's got the... That's, that's the way Gotham should look if we're going for this kind of take. It's very stylized, it's gothic, and it's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Um 
Yeah, I like the action. I really love Dan DeVito's Penguin. I always have. I think he is a ton of fun. <laughs> when he's driving the fake Batmobile, I just, that's my thing. It's, it's wonderful. Can I hop in here? Yeah. <laughs> I want to, okay. I will start with agreeing with you, Chris, on the Bruce Alfred stuff that Burton does. I love that stuff. And I always think of that scene in Batman 89 where Bruce and Vicky are eating at that dining room table. And then Bruce just decides to take the food in the kitchen. They sit at the little kitchen island with Alfred and Alfred is telling stories about raising Bruce. And that, that I love that, that purpose, mm-hmm. that perfectly encapsulates the relationship. So couldn't agree more with you on that. Now, my unpopular opinion where I'm going to disagree with you. I, <laughs> Hate Jack Nicholson as a Joker. I think okay. he is so overrated. It's a large part of why I like Batman Returns more than Batman '89 because I love Devito and I love Catwoman and I love uh, Pfeiffer as Catwoman. But Nicholson's Joker, he he airs a little too close to Cesar Romero, whom I love, mm-hmm. but it almost feels a little out of place in Burton's world for me. Maybe he could have toned down the jokiness a little bit. I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. He's like, he, <laughs> no. Heath Ledger's <laughs> the gold standard for me, obviously for the Joker in yeah. film, but uh, Jack Nicholson just didn't do it for me. And uh, one other complaint I have on the psychology aspect, Burton hits you over the head with a baseball bat. Like I made you, you made me. I, I, I get it, but like he could have been a little more subtle about it. A little bit, and then like Jack, it's a Joker, has the line, <laughs> "You were a kid or something, or I was a kid when I made you." Like you don't know who he's even talking about. <laughs> a lot of like I, I feel like a lot of the third act just doesn't make sense when most of the movie is fairly logical i would say as logical as it can be but then like vicky vale i don't know what happened to her once they got to the top of that tower i don't know if she's drugged half asleep i don't know what that is i have a question about that tower why didn't batman just use a grappling hook to get to the top of it why did he walk up all those stairs he only seems to use a grappling hook but he wants to go like across something (laughs) Well, he was he was injured. He he was he was dizzy from the crash in the back. Yeah, I'll say that to you. He was he wasn't all there. He, he was going for it, you know. I mean, like, ah, I'll just I'll walk it off. It'll be good. My and God, he, though, you talk you talk about otherworldly that cathedral when you get that shot looking up or down the stairs and how high that is. Like, oh boy, that the cathedral must be higher than New York City skyscrapers. That thing has so many stairs. I, I wonder know, right? if. When uh, Alex Perez was shooting The Crow, if he used that as like a frame of reference for mm. the finale in The Crow. Oh, they oh, yeah. I never thought of that. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, what I, I like about to kind of go off of the production value, even though both of these films were shot, you know, either in a back lot in, in, uh, in England or in, uh, in California, in the case of Returns. It never feels, at least to me, like it's on a soundstage. Like, you know, sometimes you watch a movie and 
even if you're invested in the world, you can almost, you know, not that anything, you know, unless it's blatantly obvious, but it feels like it's in a controlled environment. Mm -hmm. And I never get that. Like, I mean, the whole thing, like the cathedral, that feels like you're, you're right there in the middle of downtown Gotham. I even think of like the scene in Batman Returns where Selena and Bruce are, are having their date and you've got this massive fireplace and there's like the roaring fire. Like, again, it's those subtle details that just sort of make you buy into the world and the world around it versus like, you know, you didn't have to make the fireplace so massive, but, but they did. And yet it kind of enhances, at least for me, that believability in like this, this is a real place and it's not just a, you know, a, okay, cut. We're moving on to the next set. <laughs> I get that more from 89 than I do returns I, to me returns. If like, cause you really, they keep showing that like town square area right by Shrek's corporate office and the Christmas tree. Yeah. They show that a lot. And I feel like it's almost like they only had three sets in the movie, which would be that one Shrek's office and Bruce and, and Wayne Manor, of course. But the thing, I... even though I, they have that soundstage feel to me, they still look great. Mm. I feel I'm with you, Chris. Batman 89 felt a little realer to me, but I think that's because Batman 89 also felt more populated. It's almost like they ran out of extras of Batman Return <laughs> to make this city feel populated. Okay. I, I don't I don't know. To me, Returns felt more you know, no, I, now you mentioned there was a point where I was wondering, I was like, where is everybody? <laughs> There's a couple times like, where is everybody? I don't know if she mentioned, but I was thinking of like you know, Bob Kane's wife has the cameo. So that scene, there's a lot of people. That's what I was thinking. Oh, yeah, yeah. when they're with the newspaper. Yeah, yeah, talking about the newspaper. You news. see it for yeah. that second. It's pretty cool. That's right. That's right. So I, I will I will throw it out there because it is a controversial decision, and it's one that elicits a lot of passion, even to this date. The decision, and spoiler alert, if you haven't seen the movie, which... I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, my guess is you have watched this movie, but <laughs> we'll put out the disclaimer. Um, the Joker being the killer of Batman's parents. Again, we know this is not comic book accurate. This was one of the liberties that 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 Burton wanted, that he wanted for this story. What are your thoughts on it? I... I do you like it? Does it offend you? Are you indifferent to it? I Let's say you. I like it in theory, not in execution. And purely because that puts the Joker a good, like, what, 20 years older than Batman? And I always felt like they should be closer in age to one another. That's just a personal preference. I don't think Batman... I don't... I I mean he would be he would but I don't know if the Joker would be like a you know sixty five year old man while Batman's forty five and beating up on him you know yeah. I, I just prefer them closer in age like so I get what he was doing and in theory I would I in theory it works but I I'm not a fan as a kid I didn't know the difference so I was like this is awesome it makes sense right <laughs> And, you know, as you get old, or as I got older, and I I saw, okay, wait, no, Joker's not the killer. It was Joe Chiller, you yeah. know, some random thug, depending on what you're reading or watching. 
Um, I don't mind it in the movie, though. I think it's fine. But I'm, I'm with Anthony. I don't like the Joker being decades older than Bruce. Because even in the flashback, that that's not like a like a 25-year-old Jack Nicholson lookalike. No, that guy's no. like 35, 40 already. Yeah. <laughs> so I think Jack was going to die of old age, even if he didn't meet his end and falling off the cathedral. Right. No, I, I, that, that was, I mean, I don't have an issue with it in the film. I, you know, it's, it was a choice um, and, and yeah, it, it works, you know, in the context of the movie, but yeah, my issue is, is sort of the same as you guys. Like why is Batman beating up a senior citizen? Like, you know, like, you know, I mean, yeah, it just like, it, it, it loses the menace factor. And, you know, I, I'm sort of, with you, Anthony. I mean, I, I won't go as far as to say Nicholson is overrated, but what I have found, especially in, as the years have gone on, he just sort of gets almost forgotten about for me. And I think part of that, you know, what Ledger did and just mm-hmm. sort of redefining it. And it, it, it's, I mean, it, like I said, it, it works for the movie. Like, I can't imagine anybody else playing the joker at that time except jack nicholson I mean, if you go back to even the early days of this film's production in like 1983 nicholson's name was always there i mean i i would like to have seen how jack nicholson would have played the character you know maybe a decade earlier you know probably the same you know it's jack nicholson but it is sort of an interesting what if if you know take 10 years and you know, whatnot, and see see what he could have done with it, you know, post, you know, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest or something. I think it adds more to Batman's story when, even when it's not Joe Chill, when he doesn't know who did it. And it's just this one crime he can't solve, or he'll never be able to solve or fix or anything, and that's why he does what he does. And that's why I really liked about Matt Reeves' The Batman, is that the conversation between Bruce and Alfred in the hospital where Alfred's not even sure if like Falcone, Maroney, or it's just a random guy who killed Bruce's parents. Like it doesn't matter in the end. What matters is they died and Bruce couldn't do anything about it. And I think that makes Batman's story and his journey more powerful. I agree. I, I think that the rival the robbery between the Joker and, the ba- and Batman, they don't need that connection with the killing. They already have the connection with him being thrown in a bat of chemicals. <laughs> you, you don't need to add that extra piece to it. But it, it works for the movie. I will say, though, um, I like what Anthony said about not knowing who the killer is, because I feel like that's the way it was in Mask of the Phantasm. And in that story, they made the Joker the killer of uh andrea beaumont's father i believe yeah yes correct or maybe he was one of them i don't remember but i think that was a much better angle if you're going to use the joker as the killer because also they'd be peers instead right. of their long-lost grandfather <laughs> mm-hmm. and by the way since you just brought mask of the phantasm chris still one of the best batman movies in my opinion to this oh, day 10 10. and and i would love to see Andrea Beaumont slash the Phantasm eventually appear in a live action movie. I think it's such a cool character. She's such, such a good character. Chastain is waiting. Yeah, she, she'd be perfect. 
especially if now uh, Karen Gillum is playing Poison Ivy in the gun first. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm playing Gaggy if she gets Poison Ivy. <laughs> <laughs> Start manifesting it, gentlemen. <laughs> I, I think we, we have to talk about the score because it seems to me, Danny, I mean, you almost can't escape, you know, anytime you mention Batman or, or you know, a, a Batman montage comes up, you're going to hear that, that March, that, that Batman March. Is this a definitive, uh, I hate to almost dislike throwing the word definitive around, but what, what, what's your thought on, on, on Elfman's score, gentlemen? It's as, as iconic to me as Superman's Williams's Superman score, and and not not you know not to take away from anything Hans Zimmer did or um, who did uh, the Batman yeah Giacchino yeah yep uh, they're great but Elfman's chest has that perfect mixture of adventure of dark and of whimsy. Which yeah. is you're talking about a guy in a bat suit who goes out at night fighting crime. Like, yeah, I get that he's the darkest superhero or one of the darkest superheroes, and it's fine to play him straight and serious, but at his core, it's a whimsy thing to do. It's whimsical. And you know, you can't really hum like if I'm like in a good mood or ever, I'm not humming Giacchino's score. No. It's you know, <laughs> you're humming you're humming Elfman, it's catchy. And one thing I really hope uh, the Brave and the Bold does is give Batman another, you know, heroic theme, another catchy, heroic, whimsy theme. So, I like I like that the mention of whimsy. That that's good. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I, I hadn't thought of it that way before, but that I think that is what sell, sets Elfman's score apart from the others. It has that whimsy. Yeah. You know, the score for the Schumacher ones, I also really liked. Mm. I feel like they had some of that too. More of the adventure, maybe. Yeah. Um, well, you I heard don't... the story about them writing that theme, right? No, I forget who does that theme. Oh, it's like he said he they pictured what was it like to like when you're a kid playing with your action figures, and that's how they really came up with the theme, like huh. dun 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 dun, like just like smashing them together. Like that might be why I like it then. Um, I don't think we've had a bad Batman theme or score. No, I I agree with that. Yeah, I, I think Elfman's is. I hate to say this, but um, Elfman's was the top until Reeves again, until Giacchino. I really like the dark, kind of intense sound of Giacchino's because when I hear that, I instantly, oh, that's bad. You know? But I, I do love the Elfman one, too. I mean, you can't go wrong with either. No, I agree with that, Chris. I agree with that. And, and, and sort of to, to play off of what you said, Anthony, about the whimsy, that's sort of what I mean with with Keaton's performance. I mean, he is the first dark, serious take on the character, but he he somehow finds that that balance. And I noticed it when I wa- rewatched Returns the other night, where there's that scene with Catwoman when he's trying to save the Ice Princess, and you know, you know, it, it's not like a a break down and laugh and roll on the floor line but just the whole eat floor high fiber like, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> it, it's it, you know it's sort of like what is batman humor and it's very hard to describe but 
if I'm going to like encapsulate, like that's Batman humor. It's not like, you know, a, a, oh, you know, a backslap chuckle. Like it's that kind of awkward humor, awkward, like just you know, funny to him alone. Like the, the closest thing that's come to that for me is like the, the patents in line. You've got a lot of cats. Like, mm-hmm. like one of those, like just so obvious in your face, it's funny uh, kind of lines, but yet, only makes sense to Batman. You guys watch Ted Lasso. Mm-hmm. Are you caught up on Ted Lasso? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, there was, and this isn't really a spoiler for people listening. It's just a kind of one-off line, and but it made me think of, to your point, Phil, Batman humor. And it's in the most recent episode. Ted's kind of giving a pep talk to the locker room, and Roy Kent, yeah. <laughs> who everyone knows is not a funny guy, it's just serious and stands there glowering makes a joke under his breath and he catches himself and he's like god i hate what you've done to me (laughs) and that to me reminded me of like that that's how batman would interact with superman like superman's so bright and everything and like affects people around him with that i could see batman making a joke display himself in superman's presence and maybe it doesn't quite land but then he catches himself like i hate that you did that to me but that that what you were saying, I, Phil, about his humor, that's what it reminded me of a bit. Yeah, that's good. That's good. But so we, go, to your go point ahead. as well, when I think of whimsy in the Bat Schumacher's and the Burton series, um Talk yourself. I think of <laughs> yeah. I think of and I don't like it, but you want to talk whimsical. Keaton sleeping in the closet upside down like a bat. <laughs> <laughs> 89 I that went a little far for me obviously but you just talk about the whimsy choices of yeah. those movies and that that always jumps out to me yeah I, I on that point like I like how Keaton is portrayed as is you know, he does his Bruce Wayne as like an aloof you know recluse he's not the suave billionaire it's not the Christian Bale portrayal it's not the the, you know the uh angry teenager type with with patents and like it's he he's a weirdo and and i think it's it's something that we've never seen again i'm not sure it would quite work without key and like i think it's it's sort of that's his take on it you know because you're not going to see him as mr life of the party like he he's just he's uncomfortable in his own skin, and he's only comfortable once he puts on that uh, you know the cape and the cowl. I mean, I know we've mentioned it before, but that scene in in Returns where he's just sitting there in the library, and I mean, clearly the guy has nothing going on. He's miserable. He's just just waiting for something to happen, and then the minute that signal comes on, it's like okay, I can be who I'm supposed to be now. And, and I, I know I I like that because it's sort of a it's not the conventional way to go. And certainly if you look at the way the comics were at that time, and even before it was always, you know, Bruce Wayne, the, the philanthropist, Bruce Wayne, the, you know, the millionaire playboy. And this is very much a Bruce Wayne who like, I think about like, nobody really even knows who he is or what he looks like. Well, that's what I love about 89. He's still the philanthropist. He's still having that gala at his house. That's right. But I love the scene. Vicky Vale and Knox are wandering through his like armory, yeah. like 
talking about how no one no, even knows what this guy looks like. And he comes up behind them and he starts making fun of Bruce Wayne himself until yeah. he gets called out because they need Bruce Wayne. And then he's like, sorry, guys, I got to go. Yeah. And I love that. And again, to your point, that's the type of humor I think Keaton is made for, like the self-deprecating, like, yeah, yeah, I I love that scene. There's so there's so many moments like that. I mean, there's the scene in the in the uh, when they're having dinner and you know they're having the soup. And it's like you know this thirty foot table, and it's just <laughs> you know again like he's so awkward he doesn't even realize it. It's like oh how's the soup? It's just like you know, <laughs> like you're just making polite conversation with someone who can barely hear him. I mean, it's just again it, it's with a different actor it could have been either over the top or 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 awkward in, in kind of an offensive way but but keaton's able to i think straddle that line and again it goes back to you know finds the the humor and the absurdity of it all i think it's good that keaton knew what he was doing with it. whether i love the performance or not i appreciate what he was doing mm-hmm. and that's his own thing which is cool yeah it, it is very much his own and and especially when you look at when Kilmer came in and certainly Clooney, nobody tried to to copy or even emulate what Keaton did. I mean, I, even though I guess all these films are technically in the same universe, though that's, that's probably a debatable point, but nobody it's, tried to, to... It's debatable until The Flash shows us in the right, speed right, force right, right. that he in, like, sure. melts into <laughs> Kilmer. We'll then we'll know. Then we'll know. That's um, when we find out, did this all really happen? Or... Right. What, <laughs> what's real? What's not? Do you know who the Riddler is? Right. <laughs> One thing I want to point out, too, about the Burton films, Wayne Manor. I love the design of Wayne Manor and the Batcave in these films, and I needed to give that a shout out because we've talked about in the past, recent years, they've moved away from Wayne Manor in media to the penthouse apartment in the middle of Gotham, and I miss the estate in the boonies with a giant cave beneath it, and I hope that the gunverse goes back to that. I think it will. I think that maybe even the Batman 2 will go back to it. Fans, I, I, maybe I like, can only speak for us three, but I think we all want to see status quo Batman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wayne Manor is part of that. It gave me chill. It made me so happy to see Wayne Manor in the trailer for The Flash. And I know it looked very similar. I am sure it's not the same place, but it looked very similar to the Burton, to the first Burton movie. Close enough. Yeah, no, exactly. Close enough. I mean, I think that is something looking back on these two films, and I mean, it's incredible that it's you know it was just two, but you know, for for all of the 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 critiques and and the and the issues, there's a lot that these movies really got right, and and you know, like I mean, I, I you know, certainly there have been other films that and and certainly you know films that have you know I think of you know, been far and away, you know, have have taught them, but it's amazing how much they got right at the start, you know, and, and maybe because there wasn't the weight of a franchise, it was the first entry and, and sequel, but 
I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot, right. There's a lot, you know, with the design, the Batmobile, the, the Batwing, the look of the Batcave, Wayne Manor, the, the Batman trappings, if you will. I mean, even the Bat signal, I mean, it's, it's all right there from the pages of the comic book. And they did a good job of stuff like that, I think. The the aesthetics of it, and like you said, just getting certain things right. I think that's one of the reasons that so many people still love these two films. They got more right than they did wrong for most people. Mm-hmm. I, all I, I know watching it, I love that everything, like many of the comics, is bat themed. His grappling hook looks bat like a bat. His battering, obviously, but the bat wing looks like a giant bat. Like the the boat has wings. Um, I mean, I feel like the Jack Nicholson's Joker when I see whenever I see Keaton hop in one of his vehicles or take out one of his weapons. I'm I just think to myself, where does he get all these wonderful toys? The CD player thing is one of my favorites. <laughs> I played this city thing. like a harp from hell. That's good stuff. And, uh, <laughs> so even even in in Batman Returns when he's in the the bat ski boat, like I mean, I've seen you know on, on Twitter, of course, you know people have, have have knocked it, and I'm sure if it was to come out today, people would have an issue with it. But like you know, he's got the little you know ducks on the uh, you know the radar, you know the sonar as he's mm. you know tracking the penguin. It's like. You know that it, it's it's a nothing. It, it you know they didn't have to do that. But it's, it, again, there's that balance between playing it serious and yet having fun with the material. And I think that's something that these films definitely captured. And you know, I, almost I would say even more so in Returns. It just they really seem to lean into the fact. Okay. We're doing a comic book movie. Doesn't mean we're going to make fun of it, but we're 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 going to have fun with these larger than life characters. I'll, I'll say right now too, because you mentioned the ski boat. I love the ski boat, and I love the way it can like do the loop around the sewer as well. I know, like, so cool. Also, I know people have a problem with it, but I love the I love the penguins duck boat slash car as well. I do too. It's awesome. <laughs> In Even the, the animated series had that, which yep. you know, it shows that mm-hmm. yeah, it was an episode. I forget which one with the penguin, but he had the 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 duck boat or you know a variation on it. But you know, it, I always was like, oh wow, so there, you know, you know, when you're a kid, you're like, oh wow, there's you know some weird connection here. He's got the duck boat for the movie. <laughs> I like the duck boat. I think it, it looks great, and it's for what it is, it's really functional. Yeah, I know, you know, climb stairs, go through some lot of stuff. <laughs> Float if it's great. I mean, would now be a good time to maybe talk about Danny DeVito's Penguin because I know he is a very controversial uh, figure slash character nowadays with people as well. Oh yeah, I love Danny DeVito's Penguin, and until I didn't know I needed Colin Farrell as the Penguin in my life. The Batman showed me that, and I, we've got a new show coming along the way. I, I think my my love and appreciation for Colin is going to continue to grow. And you know, if we're talking about maybe a definitive Penguin, I think we're going to get it with with Colin Farrell. But putting aside a a comic book accurate version of the Penguin, I I love 
what DeVito did. It, it is, it's not the Penguin from the comics, but yet it feels, it feels like it's part of the Batman mythos. And I think because he's sort of this twisted, uh, deformed, you know, you know, certainly twisted psychologically, but, you know, he's a deformed individual who's who's lashing out at the world because his parents shunned him. I mean, I think just in the context of a Batman story, I mean, that's some powerful stuff, especially vis-a-vis Batman who lost his parents. And you've got these two, I mean, you know, frankly, disturbed individuals working out their their pain on the stage that is Gotham City. And of course, you know, one one is the force of of, of pure good and one is a force of pure evil. It's I, I don't know. I, I think it's a wonderful examination of of light and dark and I mean, just his penguin. I mean, again, I know Jack Nicholson is is you know classic from the first film, but I I think Danny DeVito really steals the show and returns. I I think he he blows Jack out of the water as far as I'm concerned. His penguin is just he's he's comical, he's intimidating, he's scary, he's sympathetic. He's a in many ways he's a perfect villain. I think and. You know, I, I, again, I know there's there's criticisms about some of the stuff that happens in the movie. You know, biting off people's nose. <laughs> you know, the black goo. <laughs> I mean, again, I'll, I'll you know, I'll, the I'll French flipper trick. The French flip. You know, some of the the sexual window. <laughs> again, this movie would be made today. I'm I'm convinced of that. They got away with a lot. Uh, but I, I don't know. It, it's it's such an original performance, and it's. It's memorable. Like again, Jack Nicholson, I feel like kind of gets really washed aside for me. Like when you put aside, you put Danny's Penguin next to it, it's like, yeah, Danny's Penguin all day. It's just, it's one of those villains that stays with you. And again, I think because it is so, it's so different, you know. And and I don't know, I I loved it before, and and rewatch it again. It's like, yeah, this. This guy is great. This is this is this is the freaking penguin. <laughs> I love the unique performance too. I think that sounds out a lot because this is not you will not see this penguin anywhere else in Batman media. No, he only exists in this film. Whereas you can get that Joker or any Joker we've seen in other books. Same with the Riddler, Two Face. We've seen them in other mediums, like the way they're portrayed. But this is the only place you get the. This kind of, I, I don't want to call him a sexual predator, but I don't know what else to call him, really. <laughs> he's, Batman calls him a crime boss. He's not. He, he's a predatory <laughs> thing. And, and he's so full of personality. And I wouldn't, I don't know if I'd say sympathetic, but there's something about him you kind of do feel like maybe if this guy was allowed to be more in touch with reality he would have been okay like i mean chris how messed up would you be if Wee herman even Wee herman wanted to dump you in the sewer because he didn't want you you know what it's a missed (laughs) opportunity he didn't scream tell him large marge sent you when he threw the (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah i i I do love this this penguin this is um just a, a fantastic performance. And up until Colin Farrell, this was my penguin. I didn't think he'd be topped. Like, I don't need any other penguin. This is right. the penguin right here. Yeah. I love the nose bite. You know, watching it um, last night again, 
I was anticipating the nose, but I was like, is it, this is where it's at. This is amazing. I enjoy it. I, I like the French flipper thing. It's funny. <laughs> Even um, the simple, so the, the way this sh was shot was really neat. When him and Cameron are talking and they're going around the bird cage and you see oh, the yeah. face, yeah, it was really unique, I think, and really just interesting to see it shot that way. And then, of course, she puts a bird in her mouth. He sits on the on the bed ready to kill a cat and just shows you this guy's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and he's always in this dirty onesie it's great <laughs> yeah, that's right. i have nothing but good things to say about devito's penguin this movie. yeah yeah make it three this was my penguin until colin farrell i didn't realize he needed colin farrell in my life till we got him right. but also i'll say this for danny devito right and still with general audiences if you put a picture of colin farrell's penguin and danny devito's penguin next to one another and said, which one is the penguin? People are going to choose Danny DeVito, I think. General audiences. And I think that says a lot to how iconic Danny DeVito was in the role. Because uh, I think he still is who most people associate with the role. And rightfully so. He did a lot of weird, mm. fun stuff with it. Um, the makeup yeah. is something but, else the yeah. makeup is iconic and uh, you know i'm not a toy collector but they just released an action figure of him or hot toys or something oh, of him and it looks i i want to get it he looks spect it, it looks spectacular it. it's disgustingly beautiful um you know i think of i think my favorite shot of him in the movie is actually when batman's patrolling gotham in the snow oh yeah and he drives by the window and penguins in, I guess, I, I don't know, the record house oh, or whatever. Man. Yeah. And um, he has the top hat on. He has a cigarette in. He has his monocle in. He, he looks it's fantastic. Yeah. It's a penguin. Yeah. And he turns and looks out the window and gives that little chuckle. And I love it. And how, like, you're right, Chris. We don't see this version of the penguin in any other media. Mm -hmm. How cool was it in what was, to that point, the darkest thing batman's ever appeared in that they took a plot right out of the 60s show and had the met penguin running for mayor which is a very famous two-part episode of the 60s batman like they even use the same campaign posters from that show it's clearly burgess meredith <laughs> meredith's penguin but i loved it like and i think i don't know i'd be curious with i, I wish there was a way to poll people not just twitter like our groups but like general audiences when they think of keaton's batman do they think more of danny devito's penguin jack nicholson's the joker or jack nicholson's joker because i think even if people liked nicholson more i think the penguin i don't know returns has that returns has that I don't want to. I don't want to call it cult status because you know this was a, a box office success. You know, outside of the you know the McDonald's backlash and <laughs> you know the the parents who wrote nasty letters, but um, there's something you know, weirdly unique about returns, and it's you know maybe because it was you know the the other Batman movie for a long time and. You know, maybe because it's yeah, there's there's a lot going on that maybe that's why it it, it resonates more. So, I mean, icon eighty nine is iconic just from its you know its status as the first Batman movie, but 
I, I think you're on to something, Anthony, with, with returns. Because it, it, it's it, it's different. It, it's a different movie. And, and you know, it's again, I, I'm still amazed just watching it last night that it, that it, that it got made and, and really almost what a a unique piece of of, of cinema it is because it, it, it you'll never see another Batman film like that ever again. <laughs> and it's a shame because there's so many good moments in that film. One of my favorite moments, and maybe this is a good segue, we could talk about her in a second. It's when Batman confronts the penguin just talking in the middle of a Gotham street and the penguin asks him, you don't really think you'll win, do you? And Batman says, things change. And then all of a sudden, Catwoman comes flipping out of the department store, which explodes behind her. She's like, meow. And they both just look at her, look her up. And I love it's such a good moment between the three of them. And there's no fighting involved. It's great. The chemistry between all of the actors, I mean, certainly Keaton and Pfeiffer, that that's a whole other level. But the just the interactions that they had, like I, I don't know, everything feels and, and seems organic and just sort of arising from the situation on screen, not because oh plot dictates it. It's it's very organic in the way it unfolds, I feel. Like it's it's not like okay, how are we gonna get Batman and the Penguin to to interact? It just sort of it happens naturally. It's after this whole, you know, uh, fight with the circus gang. How do y'all feel about well, A, Michelle Pfeiffer in general as Catwoman, but also her origin here where she was pushed out a window and kind of uh, licked back from the dead by a bunch of stray cats. Like, I know a lot of uh, <laughs> that's become infamous over the years. So what are your thoughts here? I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it, and I, I don't like Pfeiffer's performance at all. Whoa! Talk yeah. about a hot take! I, I think the mic just dropped. I, uh, <laughs> Chris, can you hear me? <laughs> Chris, you're actually the second person within a week who has told me that. And the other okay. person is my friend uh, my friend Greg, but he also didn't grow up on these. He never saw these films till later in life. He just never saw them so he's more used to the more comic accurate Catwoman. Ah. so he that's why but i'm shocked here chris by your opinion <laughs> yeah I, I i don't like the performance at all i actually i don't hate many things so i don't know if i should use that word but i strongly <laughs> dislike the origin i i don't like the suit <laughs> I like the silhouette of the suit. It's Catwoman. But that's that's about it. I, I yeah, I'm not a fan. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I don't I, I don't you it's like you're speaking and I failed you. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's like goodbye, Alfred. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. I know what this means. Um <laughs> Well, I I have a slightly different take. Um, and we'll let that uh, just breathe for a minute. Um, <laughs> I I love it. I, I, she is my favorite Catwoman, and I that was just re reaffirmed watching it last night. It, I'll concede it's not a comic uh, origin, uh, you know, an accurate origin per se. 
again, I it works in the context of this film, but putting aside her um uh supernatural uh element, shall we say, I I I just I don't there's something about it. It's again, it's sort of like Danny DeVito's penguin. It's 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 so different and it's it's weird and I mean it's you know Michelle Pfeiffer. I mean she's she's gorgeous and just I mean again just I I don't know I when I think of Catwoman it's it's her. There's just something about it. Her her dynamic with Batman. It's sort of that cat and mouse game. I I don't know. It just it's it's one of those one of those great performances. I I would. I would put her if I was going to do a a Mount Rushmore of of Batman movie villains. She is definitely on that on that mountainside. It's a I, I don't know. It, it's a it's a legendary performance. It's a it's really a, a amazing what what she did. Just her whole transformation scene. I was like, wow, this was th- th- this was something extraordinary. Like you know, now you know we probably wouldn't think anything of it, but. But back then, you look at it like, wow, this was this was really ahead of its time. Like this is like a, you know, you're watching just a spiral down into into madness, and then the the result that that comes from it, uh, it uh, riveting, riv- riveting, sexy. I mean, just a just a, just a perfect, perfect, a, a perfect Catwoman. <laughs> <laughs> uh well, Chris, if you uh, not Chris, sorry, Phil. Um, you actually gave me an idea. It would be fun in like a future episode to maybe like do a create your perfect Batman cinematic universe. Like you take, oh. you build it from everything that exists already. So your favorite Bruce, your favorite Batman, oh, your like favorite that. iteration of Catwoman, your favorite iteration. Of the, and just if you were going to create the perfect, I think we should do that one day. I like that. Um, yeah. But I agree with almost everything you said there, Phil. If there was a Mount Rushmore of... Batman vi- live action villains. Catwoman would be on Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman would be on it. Um, she is still my Catwoman. Uh, she's still my favorite look for Catwoman as well. I don't think the costume we've gotten a better looking costume. I loved how homemade it is with the stitching and even the nails. How mm. um, and I love as well how it deteriorates as the movie goes on as to your point she spirals down further and further into madness i think that's a really cool touch on burton's part um but yeah i mean she's just (laughs) she's she's perfect she's so freaking sexy and mysterious which catwoman should be um i like that prior to her getting pushed out that window she was as quirky and as aloof as Michael Keaton's Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Um, I think that really... And she, she retains some of that, obviously, as Selina. And I think um, that's something we haven't seen before. Like that less confident Selina Kyle. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've never gotten that in other iterations before. But it works, especially with this Batman. And to your point, their chemistry is just off the charts. But not only their chemistry, hers and DeVito's chemistry oh, together... Yeah is also off the charts. The disgust, absolute disgust she has for him. It's just, <laughs> it's hilarious. But I mean, their partnership is perfect. Every time the two of them are on screen together, I, I can't look away. Like you brought it up earlier, Chris, that scene in the bedroom with them, mm-hmm. uh, with the cat and the bird, and they're coming up with this plan to kill Batman while having 
well, the penguin is essentially like sexually harassing her, <laughs> harassing her the entire time. It's great. Uh, if I had one complaint about her, it's obviously the origin with the cats looking her back to life, but it's also how they literally gave her nine lives. And now she's getting shot literally <laughs> at point blank range at the end. She's literally counting them down <laughs> like out loud to Max Trek. Um, I, I can't say enough good things about her, and I really hope, really hope in the Flash, she's at least mentioned by Bruce. I, I, I don't think we'll see her. I think no. that's a pipe dream, sadly. Um, even though the Arrowverse established that Keaton's Batman married her, um, but. I want her at least mentioned. Same with Goff's Alfred. I want some mention I of when so, he yeah. passed or whatever. Like, yeah. But I hope yeah. So. And on that point, I would just say because you mentioned the, the the chemistry with Devito and 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 Pfeiffer. I know this movie sometimes gets criticized for oh, there's too many characters. I, I don't think that's an issue, but their team up, you know, is you know two villains, and I mean this is probably the first time really that a comic book movie like this had two main villains and if you figure the rest of the batman films in this uh you know uh canon if you will had had the two villains and it seems like you know every batman film since then has had multiple villains but there's something about the way their their team up is in this movie and, I, and it's not even really a team up per se but the way they they work together for a, a brief period of time it, it that to me was a perfect balance of like how you handle two different villains i mean i i sort of think of spider-man 3 as like what not to do when you've, you're gonna have all these different villains and not to go off on that but like i don't know i was just thinking about it last night like that's that's the right note you can strike when you when you put in a you know, a multi-villain plot well, I like it because they're working toward the same goal for yeah. a moment. At least one goal, get rid of Batman. Yeah. But they clearly don't even trust each other. They right. have no trust for each other. She shows outright disdain for him. Yeah. It's kind of a means. They're using each other for a means to the end, and I love that. Yeah. Um, I love that much more than, you know, Poison Ivy trying to just flirt her way into right. being Mr. Freeze's new wife. Or uh, you know, the Riddler and Two Face trying to, you know, have a laughing contest or something. You know? I, mean, yeah. I, I do want to say one last thing about Michelle Pfeiffer, though, that I forgot to mention a second ago. I loved that she, it's her doing a lot of the whipping and fight scenes herself. Oh, I know. That was it. There's and that video with her uh, whipping all those mannequin heads off herself, and then like everyone giving her like a standing ovation on set when the heels cut it's it's fantastic but i think it adds to the movie because now in these fight scenes of keaton or the whipping scenes you're not cutting away for long shots because it's a stunt double you can focus on her and i love it. uh, it's fantastic and and she put the bird in her mouth yeah, yeah she, she put, put the, the bird, bird in her mouth <laughs> she was committed she, she sucked for this role I they know. what they uh what is it vacuum sealed her into that costume every day, uh, yeah. but I'll say this: as much as I hated Ant Man and the Wasp, not to get into that, all I could think of to myself <laughs> watching that film was, man, she could still pull off Catwoman if they brought her back in a 
you know, Keaton, if they made another Keaton movie, she could still do it. And she was supposed to get her own spinoff before the, uh, yeah, the yeah, film that, 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 that the film that, the Holly Berry movie. yeah, the film that won't be mentioned, but you know, mm-hmm. I mean, she, I think they were, they were clearly setting her up to come back in Keaton's third movie too, yeah. but until that all went off the rails as well. Uh, what could have been what could have been you know thank you to mcdonald's and the parents who wrote letters you know that's <laughs> i'm not still bitter no 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 it, it 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 is funny to me now watching them like when i watched these the other day yes they are still dark oh yeah they are but when you compare batman returns to the dark knight or BVS, or the Batman. Like, the fact that parents and kids are writing letters about this being too dark and scary is is laughable. No, I mean, you've probably all seen that, I, I don't know if it was like, you know, Geraldo or, or something, like, you know, where they're all... It's yeah. like, oh, it was very violent. I mean, I'm not to pick on the kid, but like, really? Like, like <laughs> there's no way, I'm sorry, that kid came up with that thought on his own. There's we should just pick no... on the kid. He's an adult uh, now. Okay, that's fair. That's that's fair. There you go. No, there's no way that that was something that he formed on his own. That was a parent saying, "You say like, I mean, come on, like, you know, moral majority crowd and just pearl even clutching." The, I think even the most intelligent, articulated kid wouldn't review Batman Returns that way. No, <laughs> it wasn't child child friendly. What? Okay, you are a child. Yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> film critic yeah okay yeah i i it's it's amazing i mean it's amazing that the film exists it's it's amazing the backlash that that happened to uh happened to it and it's also amazing how we're still talking about it to this day and, and you know i mean batman forever has its own its own place in in the in the mythology and in the the series batman and robin is a whole other thing but like these two films i I mean maybe it's because they were the first and and they really are sort of in tandem with each other but it's it it is really remarkable that you know over 30 years later these are still held up you know, for a lot of people, I mean, people will say a Batman 89, that's my favorite Batman film, or, you know, Batman Returns is a close second or something. I mean, th- there's such reverence for these two films and, and, and arguably Keaton's portrayal as, as Batman. You know, of all the missed opportunities over the years, um, from Cage's Superman Lives mm-hmm. to uh, Superman Flyby to George Miller's Justice League to the original Batman v Superman. So many missed DC opportunities over the years that we almost got. Um, the one that really hurts me the most is honestly Batman Five, which was I've heard it was called Triumphant or Unchained. Mm-hmm. I've heard it had two different titles. Well, it's two different versions. Okay, but whichever version it was that had the Scarecrow with the fear gas, and they were supposed to bring back. Nicholson and DeVito and Pfeiffer and all the villains that came before for this fear gas scene fighting Batman. Like, I wish we got that. I mean, it would have, A, cemented Clooney and Kilmer's Batman as being the same Batman (laughs) as Keaton. But, B, I just feel like 
it, you know, to your point, Phil, it, all these movies have a place in Batman cinematic and DC history. And, you know, whatever people want to say about forever and Batman and Robin, they were uh, forever was a genuine hit at the time. Yeah, it really was, which is why they rushed Batman and Robin so quickly. Um, but even Batman and Robin, even though it was panned, it did make money. It did sell toys. It did what it was supposed to do, even though it made the studio pump the brakes. Like, ice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You think you? <laughs> but there you go. Like whatever that film's legacy, people are still talking about Schwarzenegger's freeze to this day. The Batman like, films are always going to be topical and in the conversation and. I mean, I know we've said this before, and I've certainly said it. Batman is is arguably the greatest superhero, you know, out there. I mean, you know, I suppose you could make a case with Spidey and you know maybe Superman, but like Batman is just so ingrained in our public consciousness that you know even even just a casual reference, people people get it and. and you know, people debate to this day. Okay, who's the better Batman? Who's your favorite Batman? You know, or like you said, you know, Arnold and his his ice puns or something. You know, what? Yeah. <laughs> well, what's so funny is like, yeah, they had those movies had wildly different tones. But I've seen pictures where people have photoshopped the villains from those four films together. They do look like they could have fit in one universe. They do. The, yeah. 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 And I would have. And I would have loved to have seen them just all share the screen together in Unchained or Triumphant, whichever one it was. But, uh, you know, and then people would have said, you know, oh, here we got an established Batman with all his villains are here. We got it. We finally got it. <laughs> so. Somebody would have beaten Matt Reeves to the punch. Yep. <laughs> Gentlemen, any other thoughts on... Uh... On these two films, it made they make me feel like kid, a kid watching it again. The other night, that's a, the other night. The I was just sitting there, smile on my face, watching them again, and it made me more excited to see the Flash for Keaton. <laughs> I and again, listeners, I want to see the Flash for the Flash and right. Ezra and everybody as well. But I am a Batman fan. I'm excited for Batman. I am excited for Keaton, and if. This movie's a juggernaut. It's going to be really hard for me not to be banging that drum for a Batman 3 or Batman Beyond as an Elseworlds story. And I'll just leave it at that. Chris? Um, yeah, I don't love the movies. I hate them. They're fine. <laughs> I'm, ex- <laughs> I'm, I, I, I'm excited to see Keaton in the Flash. So I think he's going to be great. And I, I love Danny DeVito's playing like him. So. <laughs> I don't thought we should... Final thoughts, Phil. We should have got Zeddy to do the show with us instead of... No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if Zeddy likes Returns in 89. I, I don't know if he does or not. I can't remember. <laughs> I don't know. We should have got Carlos. <laughs> Carlos likes him, yes. <laughs> Carlos, if you're listening, we'll have you on a future episode. Um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I enjoy these films. I, I Returns has a real special place in my heart. It's my third favorite Batman film overall. I, I just love, just love the the setting. I love the the psychology. I love the darkness of it. Um, I mean, 
echo what you guys have said. Can't wait for Keaton. You know, mm-hmm. it's gonna Very get nuts. Exciting. Gonna get nuts. <laughs> Hopefully, not nuts though. But not too nuts. And what's also gonna get nuts is the fact that we're getting Baffleck and Keaton this year. We're getting Pattinson two years from now. And three years from now, a brand new Batman as well. Who will that be? <laughs> brave and the bold. Yes. So do we want to be brave and bold with our casting, our fan castings, if you will? I think last time we did our fan castings for Superman and Lois and Lex, and well, it would be fun to to put our put our spin on on some of the denizens of Gotham City. So Gentlemen, do you uh do you have your uh your picks? If you were given the keys to uh to the brave and the bold, if James Gunn uh reaches out and says, "Hey, Chris Anthony, want you guys to direct a Batman movie," he may after this. You, you know, honestly, I mean, James, he if may. you're if you're listening, you know the DMs are open. Um, do we want to picks. go? Do we want to go round robin since we have more than a few to talk about tonight? Like, do Batman at once, all of us, and then yeah, Alfred? Yeah, I or... think that's yeah. Yeah, I know. I have a few of a few. Yeah, I have a, a couple for some. Yeah. yeah, so I actually have two all over right. Swain slash Batman. So my first choice is Theo James, who we have talked about before. He's popular fan casting on Twitter. Um. He's fantastic in the White Lotus. He's he's late thirties, which I think is a good age for what James Gunn is going for. If he has had multiple Robins at this point and now has a son old enough to be crime fighting with him, um, and a, but still young enough to interact with and feel like a peer of the younger Superman as well. Um, he has the jawline. He has everything you want in a Batman. Uh so he's my choice one. Choice two, and I mentioned him before, Brett Goldstein from Ted Lasso. Hmm. Hmm. If, if he could do the American accent, which I've heard him do before, and he shaves, he just has that. He's a he's a built guy, and he can get more in shape, obviously. But um, he has that dark kind of stoic demeanor on Ted Lasso that is important for a Batman he has that dry sense of humor, and uh, I think he could really pull it off. I, I'd like to see him in the cow. So, yeah, those are my two choices. I like those. Those are good. Those are really good, actually. I have to change mine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I also have two. So my first one is a pretty popular fan cast. I think it's Richard Madden of Game of Thrones fame. I think he has the look for Bruce. I think he's believable. And he's just a good actor. I really enjoy him in uh, Game of Thrones, of course. I thought he was good in The Eternals. Um, I'm really excited for that show Citadel that he's in. Uh, so I think he'd be great. Hmm. Uh, also, he's kind of he could be physical, I think, if needed. Which, I mean, they're actors. They could all do it if needed. But some, I think, just look more believable doing it. Hmm. And he'd be in that category. My other choice is someone who almost had the role before. It's not John Hamm, because I know he's too old. I'm shocked. I'm shocked. I know. If I could, I would, but we know he's not going to get it. Uh, (laughs) The other choice I have is Jake Gyllenhaal. I love Jake Gyllenhaal, and he clearly has had interest in the role before. I think him playing Mysterio might put a... 
well then his age might keep him from being cast but i think he is a he's got the look and also i think he would be the right age to have a son damien's age running around with him so those are my two richard madden or jake Gyllenhaal. I actually just, uh, real quick about Jake Gyllenhaal, I just saw The Covenant with him. Fantastic oh. movie. Um, I think he's a great actor in general, but The Covenant, mm-hmm. knowing how so many people have talked about him in the Batman world, like seeing him as a soldier, very narrow-minded, I was like, yeah, I, he'd be good. I I would need to hear his voice, because he has a very high voice, so I'd like to hear his I Batman voice. That would work too. Yeah, but... uh. I, I would not be opposed. So, well, I I just have one for the Dark Knight, and and actually, Chris, same as you, Jake Gyllenhaal. Hmm. That is that you know for the reasons you've said, especially if we're going to have an older Batman with a son. Jake's in his you know mid forties, kind of would be a nice uh, contrast, especially thinking for you know if they're going with a younger uh, or youngish Superman. Yeah. But no, I mean I, I just think he's a great actor and and especially given that this is going to be a different take from the pattinson batman trying to find that balance between the dark and the light i think he could pull it off and and, and just be kind of like a, a a you know a fun adventure dad batman if mm-hmm. you will uh i i think it could be interesting we do an alfred next yeah let's do a do alfred okay so Alfred. So when I was thinking about my Alfred, Alfred's obviously older, and I was thinking like, okay, we're obviously going to get with Gunn. I think a more traditional Alfred. Mm-hmm. Alfred, um, the pencil mustache, proper British. Now I know this guy's in British. He's Australian, but I think I could see him with that pencil mustache and in the tux and just that dry sense of humor. I'm going Sam Neil. Of Jurassic huh. Park fame. He is gray, over 70 years old now. Um, very funny if you listen to him in interviews. He has that dry sense of humor, yeah. I think. Uh, and he also looks like somebody who's had a, you know, a uh, past. Like, if they went with, even though he said proper buttoned-up butler now, if he was part of MI whatever yeah. the past, Samuel's believable for that. He's believable as the badass, and you know audiences know him as that, so they could accept that. But mm. I would love to see Sam Neill in the role as everyone's favorite butler. I like that. We go next, Bill. Okay, um, I have two for Alfred because I couldn't couldn't narrow this down. So one of them is a little outside the box, um, and, and I can just see the you know, the memes and whatnot being created. But um, (laughs) Rowan Atkinson, uh, I think, would be, uh, you know, not the conventional pick, but I think he could bring a lot of humor to the role. But but again, in a very nuanced way, I I don't imagine we're going to have an Alfred that's going to be a a main focus, if you will, you know, vis-a-vis, you know, Michael Caine or or even Andy Serkis. I, I expect Alfred to probably be more uh, you know, in the background for, for this movie. And, you know, maybe he gets a few one-liners or or a couple, 
you know, action moments. But I, I, I'm expecting a more reserved Alfred than what we've seen. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I, I think he could be, he could provide the humor, but also could have that, um, you know, that 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 uh, you know, tucked in butler uh, uh, aspect to him. The other option uh, would be, you know, a, a much older pick, but again, would have the the gravitas, I think, uh, and that's Anthony Hopkins. Um, you know, you know, again, little, you know, definitely on the older side, but especially if we're going for an Alfred with a uh, history and, and is now more the, you know, the you know the the retired butler type, I, I think Hopkins could really uh, pull it off while you know giving that you know, winking and nod that, you know, he was a badass back in the day. I have two picks. Um, but to touch on something you said, Phil, I actually think Alfred will be a bigger part in this. Because yeah, me too. Bruce doesn't know how to be a father. No, that's a good the point. The kid's thrown with him. We're, I think we're going to see the more fatherly Alfred in this one. Mm. Kind of like what we saw in the Burton films. I think that's the Alfred we're getting. I, I, I agree. That's a good point. I, I think especially because Bruce... Alfred's the only dad he knows. Right. So he's going to be looking mm -hmm. to him like, no, what am true. I doing wrong here when exactly. Damien is a little shit? Like, and Alfred's going to have to give him that, like he does and always does, that pep talk, like, well, Master Wayne, and then blah, 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 blah. <laughs> so I, I agree with you, Chris. I think he's actually going to have a pretty prominent role. Yeah. So that's kind of, that kind of influenced my two picks. One of them is one of my favorite actors, period. Um, it's Hugh Grant. I think you oh. Grant is also a really good age for Alfred right now. Oh, that's perfect. And you could see him with the mustache. I think that would work. And he plays kind of that posh Englishman really well. I don't know if I would buy the MI6 background with him, but I'm sure they can make it work. <laughs> um, but I love you. I think he'd be, he would bring kind of that warm quality to it. You know, and he, in lately in films, he hasn't been that kind of guy because he's wanted to be more of the badass type. But you look at his earlier films, he had that warmth down. Mm. So it's there. Just got to bring oh, it back. Yeah. <laughs> so um, he's my first choice. My second one, um, this one, <laughs> maybe because I'm a Bond fan, it's Ray Fiennes. <laughs> oh. I, I think he would be a fantastic Alfred, especially if we're going for, you know, maybe a, a stoic fatherly type, kind of the stern guy. Ooh, I, I think he'd be that. good. I can say that. I can see that. Yeah, and maybe it's like I said, maybe it's because I'm a Bond guy. He was great mm -hmm. as M. Like, yeah, you can do Alfred too. Why not? <laughs> yeah, I like Your that. point, Phil, about I wanted to comment Rowan Atkinson as well. That's a really out of the box choice, but it I is. don't hate it. Mm -hmm. I really actually like that. I think he could pull it off. And he's the right age. He has range. And a lot of people don't know that. I know. But yeah, a lot of people it. don't realize or remember he was the runner up to play Lord Voldemort in Harry Potter after mm. Ray Fiennes. That's right. So clearly uh, casting directors wherever see the range in him. So uh, he'd be really interesting in the role. I would not hate that at all. Who's up next? Commissioner Gordon. Next. Commissioner Gordon. I want to, mine is a, probably off the wall choice. I want to see Brad Pitt as Commissioner Gordon. Whoa. I think he brings star power to the movie. I think that he's a seasoned actor. People know him. They want to see him and stuff. This is something he has not really done before. 
And all he's got to do is play a cop in a comic book movie. I mean, we've seen him play a cop in like seven right. different things, but not like this. This is different. It's a bit more lighthearted, or could be. So he is my pick for Gordon. Oh, like I'm that. going completely different Ooh. because I don't. They, I think Gordon can be very lighthearted, but I think if I think there's a chance we may see a sterner Gordon because Batman's now endangering a child, and maybe not because Batman will have had like two Robins at this point. But yeah. I think there's a. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I think there's a chance he could be a little uh, stern still, and a world weary. He will definitely be if Batman's been around for a while. And I'm going Brian Cranston. I know he's a lot of he's a popular choice for Lex Luthor in a lot of yeah. fan castings, but if you look at him, especially in that first season of Breaking Bad with the hair and the mustache, he looks like Gordon from year one. He yeah. almost looks like Commissioner Gordon from uh, the Dark Knight trilogy. Um, yeah, but I mean, Brian Cranston's just a fantastic actor. He brings gravitas to everything he does, and lighthearted or not, you need that in a Gordon who puts up with Batman in a city full of villains running around. And I think he'd be fantastic in the role. And I'm shocked, honestly, that 10, 10 plus years going, the MCU hasn't snatched him up yet. So I'm all for DC grabbing. Hmm. Yeah, I, I I could say that. I, I could definitely say it. Um, I I just have one for uh for James Gordon. Definitely uh w- would be an older pick, but uh I think could play the uh the world weary Gordon, and that's Tom Selleck. Um, Ooh. you know, again, I, I'm imagining that you know Gordon may not be as prominent as he's been in other versions for this film. Um, I'm not saying it would be the, you know, JK Simmons uh, uh, in terms of screen time, but, you know, for someone, you know, just to, you know, to be okay, commissioner Gordon up on the, up on the, uh, the rooftop, you know, a few, few quick scenes with Batman. I, I think Tom Selleck could, uh, could, could carry it. He could sell it. I like that. I never thought of Tom Selleck for it. That's, that's a good one. He'd be great. And I'll say this. I agree with you. I don't think he's going to have as big a role, especially the whole Bat family's around now. Yeah. But I will say, I kind of wish they would, um, besides Gordon, they introduced Bullock and some of the animated cops who've gotten across iterations. Yeah. Uh, you know, build out the whole police force as kind of supporting characters. Give me Bullock. Yep. Okay, can I go next since this is Joker? And everyone, this is no surprise here, but the Joker, <laughs> Bill Skarsgård, is my first and my only choice of the Joker. We know he could pull off the scary clown. We've seen him do Pennywise. He enjoyed Pennywise, doing Pennywise. We know he can pull off charismatic, yet violently scary, as seen in John Wick 4. Um, I think he had everything you could ever want for an on-screen Joker, including the look. This guy, when you look at him, if you want a comic-accurate look to the Joker, which I know Chris wants more than anything... That's all I want. All you need to do you is put this guy in a purple suit and paint his face white and dye his hair green, and he is the Joker. You don't need prosthetics. You don't need anything. He looks like the Joker already. Just put him in the makeup. 
he, he'd be perfect. And, you know, I'm not sure of his age, but it doesn't matter. He'll be covered in makeup anyway. Like, <laughs> I just, I want to see him tussling with whoever this Batman and whoever they cast as the Bat family. Like, make it happen. It needs to happen. <laughs> start, start calling James Gunn now. So I have two for the Joker. I really could decide, um, partly because, like, like we said earlier, I think the Joker should be close in age to Batman. Yeah. So I, I picked two of my favorites for right now. One of them is kind of funny, but we'll get to that. The second one. The first one I have in mind, I've wanted him for the Joker for a really long time, is Adrian Brody. Mm. I think Adrian Brody looks like the Joker. He's tall. He's lanky. He's got the facial features. He's a fantastic actor. He has quite a range. And if you've watched Ghosted recently, the movie with um, Chris Evans and Alda Armas, he's actually pretty good in that as a villain. Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah he's very entertaining. So he's my probably my first choice. I would love to see him in, as the Joker, but he is a little bit older. So if you get the older Joker, you may need the older Batman. I don't know. My second choice, though, is also Jake Gyllenhaal. Because... I think that he can do either one of those roles. If you've seen Nightcrawler, mm. you've seen him as the Joker already, I think. It's there. So I would love, love to see Jake Gyllenhaal in either role. If I had to pick one, though, I mean, I'd probably go with Batman, but if he got the Joker, I'd be just as happy. Yeah, that's that's a good shout. And I'll just say in, in response to the age, oh, we see it, especially in horror movies all the time, with 25 year olds playing 16 year olds right like actors can play usually up to 10 years older or younger so i know everyone in their mother on twitter is yeah is focused on oh superman's gonna be 25 that does not mean james gunn won't cast like a 37 year old Mm -hmm. as superman you know like so to your point even if they cast the younger batman i think adrian brody could definitely still play a younger joker so I, I have I have actually three for the Joker because I just couldn't I just couldn't <laughs> narrow this down and you know the Joker is my favorite so put a lot of time and care into this one. Um, the first one I'm with you, Chris. Jake Gyllenhaal I think could be a great Joker. He just has that ability to be both sincere and it's yeah it's. It, yeah, Nightcrawler comes to mind. He can really dial up the creepy factor. Um, my other, my second choice is uh, Steve Buscemi. Now, definitely an older pick, uh, but I think if if we want to have a you know, maybe a more gangster style version, of the Joker, more classic, a refined version, I I think he could pull it off. And again, the makeup. You know, you, you can do you can do wonders. So he he would be my second, my third, and and the one that I'm actually the most excited about uh, is Ethan Hawke. Again, a little bit older, but particularly if you have seen the Black Phone, he's really frightening in that movie, and he's frightening with or without the mask, and I think. For you know a, a new take on the Joker, I think he could play both the, the the killer and the clown because you look at that movie he's he's got kind of a, a a hauntingly whimsical side to him 
but yet he's mm-hmm. also a, a psychotic killer. And you know what a perfect match for the Joker. Oh, I uh, yeah, I like that a lot. That's a good idea. I, I'll say if uh, John Hamm was Batman, like Chris would love, <laughs> that's an, then I would be banging that drum for Willem Dafoe. But he, otherwise, he is too old. Or Steve Buscemi, either way. Or yeah. Or any Joker, really. Just cast John Hamm. We'll go from there. <laughs> <laughs> just get Ham. Yeah, just, just get Ham on it. The next two we have are Talia and Rachel Ghoul. And uh, just for listeners, we picked them because obviously if Damien's involved, uh, we know his mother and grandfather are probably not too far behind. So um, how about we start with Talia? Who wants to kick us off here? I can I can go. So I, I just had one for, um, for Talia. And uh, I went with, uh, hold up, Priyanka Chopra. Um, she, I mean, y- you want someone right in that age group, um, but also someone who can act. I-, I think she would be, I think she would be perfect. I mean, again, if, especially if we're going for a, a comic book, accurate version of, of Talia, uh, I-, I think enough, I- enough said. She is also who I had, so I'll jump in there. Um, she, I actually have two for Talia. She was my, she's my first choice, and that's because I hope Gunn slash Hollywood decides to go Middle Eastern for Talia and Raish, uh, or Raz, whatever you want to call them. Uh, I'm not 100% sure they will, which is why I have a second choice, just because it's Hollywood. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Second choice, and I've mentioned her in the past, I'd be happy with her as Catwoman or Wonder Woman, too. Amidea Armas. Oh, um, if you're not going Middle Eastern, I think she could make it good Talia. Just she has that sexy mystique to her. She's she does have that foreign sultry accent. I think she'd be great. Um, but again, I'd prefer to see her as Catwoman or Wonder Woman because uh I do hope they go Middle Eastern for Talia and Rafe. Mm. So it's hard for me to say no to anything without the dog. Um She's really a good actress too, which I, I think yeah, a lot she of is. people discount. She's very good. She is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's funny. I, I have to admit something. I don't know a lot of Indian actresses. I know some of the popular ones that we see, but I don't have like a catalog of them to pick from for this. Yeah. So I also went Priyanka Chopra, but also because she's in that show, The Citadel, with her. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, there so we go. Yeah. they're already familiar. They have a chemistry. I think that would be cool. Now, I also thought about this, and I didn't actually include it because, or I didn't write it down, because I know it's just impossible. But Gal Gadot as Talia, I think is pitch perfect. It's just we can't have that now. No. That's not going to (laughs) fly. Oh, no, no. But talk about perfect casting. Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, if she wasn't Wonder Woman, we would have had something here. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. You don't think he could cat? I mean, even if she doesn't continue as Wonder Woman, I don't. I don't, think, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think visually the characters don't look different enough. Like if she was wearing a mask or something, sure. Yeah, but right. it, it's gonna be Gal's face, so it's kind yeah, of yeah, that's true. You know, and and then you know she goes from this warm, loving character to whatever Talia is. Right. Like here's your son. Keep him. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. 
but yeah, I'm going to go with Priyanka Chopra because of the connection with Jeanette. And I've seen her stuff and she's pretty great. I wouldn't be opposed to either of that. So, what do you guys got for Raish? So, for Raish, I have again two my mm-hmm. uh, Middle Eastern choice and then my if Hollywood decides to Hollywood. whitewash a bit. Yeah, Hollywood him up. Um, Middle Eastern choice, and my first choice is Navid Negaban. Um, he was he's been in Homeland twenty four, mm-hmm. Lost, um, more popular movies recently. He was a Sultan in the Aladdin remake live action. Okay, um, yep. this guy is great. He has range. Uh, he's actually very tall. I think he could. Um, he's actually voiced Raish in the Doom that came to Gotham. Yep. Actually, but uh, yeah, he did, and I would love to see him. Play that character in live action. I think he would be fantastic in the role. If Hollywood was going to do some whitewashing here or just go, you know, Hollywood, let's just call it that. Go Hollywood on these characters. Vigo, Mor- Vigo Mortensen. Ooh. If I'm not mistaken, he was a runner up for Begins. Oh, really? Yes, I did not know that. Second, it went to Liam Neeson instead. Or maybe Liam Neeson wanted it. But either way, I think he's great. I think he's a great age range. I think he has a right look. He has that. He has those very piercing eyes that Ray should have. Um, mm. We know he can fight from the Lord of the Rings. Uh, <laughs> I, I think. I think he would be fantastic in the role. But again, my first choice is Navid. So mm. nice. nice. Um, so my Go choice, ahead. I went a young. I went younger because. Because I figured he's got the Lazarus pits. We're going to get a younger race. Mm-hmm. I went with Rahul Kohli. He's most popular for Midnight Mass and some of the other Flanagan things. Okay. Yep. Love him. I think he is fantastic. That's, that's inspired. Mm. And I think he's he's a good age for it. And again, Lazarus pits, they don't bring him back to when he's 85 years old. They bring him back to a younger state. Right. So that is my pick for race. I also think that you have a visually if you have him next to a richard man batman or jake gyllenhaal or theo james that's going to be a cool you know a cool visual compared to if you have an 80 year old guy or whatever Mm. that's true that's true so i have uh two choices and i i can't decide which one i like more than the other i think both could really play the menacing factor. And the first is Benico del Toro. Mm-hmm. And my second would be Javier Bardem. Ooh. I, I almost think Javier would be my would be my pick. I think he again, just going off of No Country for Old Men, yeah. I, I think he could really bring the menacing factor, which you know, I again I I'm not a big fan of, of the race character, but I think if you want to up the ante, especially differentiating from, from what Liam did, uh, Javier could, would just be frightening and yet could have that otherworldly uh, uh, presence that, 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 that the character needs. I could see it. I like that a lot. I like <laughs> it a lot, too. He was Almost great in No Country for Old Men. Oh, he's a great actor. He's, he's you know, 
And he was the best part of Dead Man Tell No Tales, which is an awful oh, movie, yeah. but he was fantastic in that. Yep. yep. I like him. He was great in Skyfall. Oh my god, yep, yep. Like when I think of Javier Bardem, that's where my, my head goes is Skyfall. Yeah, he's, he's one of the that. best Bond villains we've ever seen on the planet, in my opinion. Let's oh, without question. Oh yeah. He's fantastic. So yeah, James Gunn, if you're listening, here are our choices. <laughs> Give us a call. Picks. Yeah. James Gunn, if you're listening, let us uh hire us to direct the film. There we go. <laughs> there we go. John Hamm. <laughs> All right, let's start manifesting that right now. John Hamm, Bill Skarsgård, and Javier Bardem. Let's do it. That's a trio. That's a perfect trio, right? There. <laughs> I, I, it sells I think, itself. I think, it, honestly, I mean, imagine that on the marquee. I, I, good God. We couldn't fan cast Damien, I think, because well, for one, we don't know what age they're going with Damien, but let's say he's going to be 12 in the movie. It's going to be hard to pick a kid. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I think he should be an unknown actor. I, I do too. Especially Agreed. given if, if this is going to be a, a 10 plus year commitment, you want someone, I mean, certainly someone who can act, but I mean, it's, you, you almost want them to, to, you know, have this be their breakout role. You know, the, the kid that was in Black Adam, if he, he were a little bit younger and not Black Adam, I think he would oh, have yeah. been a, a really good choice. Because I thought yeah. he was he was really fun in uh, in the movie. Yeah, that's how, yeah. And and for the record, listeners, we I mean, at least I assume Nightwing and Batgirl will be mentioned, if not seen in the movie, but uh we had so many to go over this week, we figured we'd save Nightwing and Batgirl for a separate day. Day two one fine day. But send us your send us your fan castings. We want to know who who would you want to see uh, don the cape and cowl and put on the clown makeup and uh, be the uh, the faithful Wayne Wayne Butler. Let let us know because uh, these are always fun. Again, we you know preface. Yeah, you know, these are these are our opinions. You know, no no one opinion is right or wrong. It's these are just our 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 wishes for. Uh, or for the future casting, but uh, it's it's all in good fun. So uh, let us know, and we can uh, we can uh, you know, chit chat back and forth, if you will. And and speaking of fan casting, um, we kind of mentioned it in passing earlier, but a famous Hollywood actress kind of fan casted herself as Poison Ivy in the new DC universe. Uh, that's really the only sort of <laughs> news we have uh, this week. Not much news has broken since the last time we recorded. But Karen Gillum, uh, Nebula from Guardians of the Galaxy franchise, uh, said she would love to be she would love to be part of the DC universe, love to do anything with Gunn, and then she specifically threw her hat in the ring for Poison Ivy. She fan cast herself. This is not like she's not in talks. There are no rumors that she's playing her. I could see it happening because I think James Gunn is going to try to find a place for a lot of those actors in the universe. Um, were she to play that character, because I do think Ivy is going to be part of the universe if we have Harley, how would you feel uh, about Karen Gillum in the role? I'm fine with it. I, yeah. I like Karen Gillum. Yeah. I, I just think that um, whenever an actor publicly says they want to be a character, they're basically sealing their fate as it's never going to happen. Right, yeah, sort of. I agree with that normally. But I also know James Gunn really does like casting his friends in a similar way to Tim Burton and Chris mm-hmm. Nolan. Mm-hmm. 
I, I expect we'll have some overlap, but uh, I, I'm not, uh, I, 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 I'm willing to put down some monopoly money that we probably won't see her as, uh, as poison ivy. But if, if I'm wrong, I'll admit it. I will yeah. admit it right here. I'll even put down a monopoly hotel. That there we go. See it. There but if go. it happens, I'd be cool with it. Yeah, no, it would be fine. It would be, be, be good, I think. Emma Roberts for Harley and Anna Taylor. No, not Anna Tyler, Taylor Joy. Who's the one from the menu? Is that Anna Taylor Joy? Yeah, Anna Taylor Joy. Yeah. yeah, as Poison Ivy, and I'm good. I could say it. I could say it. Armis is Catwoman. Let's just slide that one in there. Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm going to start manifesting that right now. <laughs> That's really what we're doing. We're sending these vibes out so you guys can help us manifest. Yeah, so just please join us, you know. Join us. We already manifested David Harbour as Frankenstein. Manifest circles begin Wednesdays at 7 p.m. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) And again, send us your list. We we, we can all do this together. (laughs) Send us your list on Twitter or Instagram at DC Unlimited Pod or email us at DC Unlimited 71125 at gmail.com. And where can they uh, listen to you guys outside of this podcast if they want to hear more from you guys? Well, if you haven't had your fill of me tonight, uh, you can check me out uh, with uh, my show, Phil at the Movies. New episodes every Friday for the love of movies. You guys can follow me on Twitter if that's your thing at that Chris Evan Zero. You can also follow the other podcasts I do with my buddy Emma Davis over at G of the Geeks. And I would love it if you guys would follow this one at DC Unlimited Pod, like Anthony mentioned. You can follow my personal Twitter account at the Sanderson Bro. You can follow me, my the other podcast I do at Tis the Pod. And I also have a blog now for my movie reviews. You can get to at Crusoe's CriticsCorner.com. Highly recommend you all uh, subscribe and follow along. Great stuff. Appreciate that. And 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 truly thank you all for for tuning in each week. I think it goes without saying, but we uh we appreciate you uh being a part of DC Unlimited. This is a this is, this is a growing community, and this is a going to be a fun ride as we uh as we get ready for this next phase. You know, the Flash is is only the beginning. It is only the beginning, and I feel like we'll have a much clearer idea of what the future looks like afterward. I hope so. (laughs) It's all part of the plan. (laughs) And with that, we will speak to you next time, guys. Take care.